tickle when I'm on stage. So, you know, I'm really excited about this conversation as I am with many, but this one's really special uh, to me um, because I feel like I get to play both an observer role, but got to be a part of the story. You started a business. You guys were, I met you, what, four years ago. Hey, Mills. It's my three-year-old son. Hello. Uh, you wanted to say hi. <laughs> um, but you guys started a business. You were an entrepreneur resident at ABC. You had no ties to logistics. You guys went out and cold started it with an idea. And then you recently sold to one of the largest logistics companies in the world. So let's talk about your journey because I think it's really, really interesting. And like I said, it's very meaningful because I got to see it firsthand from incubation and idea all the way to exit. Well, yeah, thanks so much, Craig. And um, I mean, honestly, we were just so humbled by this industry and everything that's happened to us. Um, I was just having a conversation outside with someone and I was saying that, you know, before, before we entered transportation, Nate and I surveyed like 20 different industries. And this was like the most welcoming to newcomers. Um, and entrepreneurs, you know, as old as this industry is, it was one that was, you know, for us, the very open to change and, and new ideas. And I mean, you in particular, I mean, you'll never take credit for this, but you honestly were one of the reasons we entered this space. You know, we came to our first Great Waves conference in 2018. We didn't know who Knight Swift was. <laughs> uh, seriously, we had a conference. We, know like, who they we didn't are know now. who that was. <laughs> and uh Afterwards, you know, we came to Chattanooga a couple times. You showed us around to, you know, truck stops and U.S. Express, and uh, we were blown away. And now you see all the Night Swift trailers. They're everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> sort of, the, sort of always a thing of folks that aren't in trucking. As soon as they enter trucking, they start seeing all the trailers, and they're like, oh, I, yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. Like, they always have been. You just never noticed. Um, so you guys had this idea to go create. So tell us a little bit about what Baton when you first came and settled on this as the concept, because you guys actually had a blank slate. Mm -hmm. You knew that you wanted to be in, you, at some point you converted from healthcare to logistics because it was yes. sort of, thanks to you. Th thank you for that, by the way. It's really <laughs> thanks to the community. And like, I yeah, don't take, yeah. like, I yep. may be a networker, but I am not the reason that you guys had this, had your success. And it's certainly just sort of the construct of this industry that is so open to do business, as you yeah. said, because they're looking for real solutions. You made the decision to go into supply chain. You said, any 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 concept or content on that? Yeah. So, Baton kind of had three different phases as we went through the journey of what Baton is. So, when we first started Baton, we our our mission was to eliminate waste in trucking, and we were doing going to do that by being a relay platform for long haul carriers. So, long haul carrier comes in, drops off their trailer at our our drop zone. We then relay it to the final warehouse for delivery. We also as context we we moved into our first office the day before COVID's lockdown started. Um, we launched our first customer one to two months into COVID. So it was a crazy time. Like at one point, all of our customers dropped off. And then shortly after that, they all came back in full force. Um, but that was, that was really phase one. And then phase two was we realized, okay, we built this technology to power our, lo our local fleet in, in the LA area to do this relay model. We then expanded that technology to then power just a local fleet that was also servicing long-haul carriers, but also servicing local shippers as well. And then the third phase of the journey was we realized, oh, the, the technology we built, that's actually where we created brand new value. 
and talking to shippers and, and other folks in transportation, that was the thing that got everyone really excited. I think that's what like you kept coming back to as something you were really excited about. And that is what led us eventually to the rider acquisition was, was through the technology that we had developed. So you guys had this idea, your business model was to basically uh, be the last mile yep. or over the road truckload trailers, 53 trailers. In LA, I think the goal was to eventually expand outside yeah. of it. But you realize, because I remember in sort of the storyline back in early 2020, this is when freight was just, or let's call it third quarter, fourth quarter. All of a sudden, things were just going crazy. So much demand. You saw this opportunity to lean in on that last mile. But something happened earlier this year. The market changed and you, you guys pivoted. What? Was it the market conditions that forced you to pivot? Was the fact that for how, how come you believe that you sort of exited that over the road drop trader? Because it seems like a really good one that I was excited about. Mm-hmm. Why did you guys decide to get out of that? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to answer this one? Yeah, sure. It was so our long term mission had always been to sell software because we thought we could by selling our software, we could have a much bigger impact on the industry as a whole than if we're just running our own fleet. We want to democratize the technology that we've built for everyone. I think that was success. That was that was um, uh, sped along by what happened in the market earlier this year. Um, our our business, because it was a local business and because of everything that was happening in LA, there was a lot of complexity that was suddenly injected into the market and what we were doing. Um, but it was more, I will say that it was more looking towards the future for why we pivoted the business and because of all the excitement that we saw on selling the the software that actually drove the decision rather than like negativity on on the core business. So last mile yeah. you were you had software that did that last mile dispatch that transferred dispatch mm-hmm. which is always a tradables RMS, yep. as we all know. You've doubled down on software, but you made a decision at some point as a founder yep. that what we thought our business was is not what we want the business to be. And what was leading to that? So I guess it's two things, right? So in in parallel to the freight market changing on us, the technology venture market was also changing. Um, So you saw all of these, you know, like kind of the the decline of big tech and all the startups in the, you know, technology community were getting the message from their investors saying, you need to extend runway by 30 months um, or you're not going to be able to, you're not going to, be able to raise during this this market, and so I think for us it was a combination of okay, where's where's the demand, and then also we need to weather the storm here. We need to be disciplined about where money is going, and we need to make sure that whatever we do will will allow us to survive for 30 more months. And the business we we already had um, was a little more um, it was more costly. The burn rate was higher. The unit economics were challenging. Unit economics were harder. In a declining yeah. market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are, are companies in this room or in the hallway that have businesses where unit economics are perhaps not optimal in a declining market. What is your message for those founders? You made the choice and it was a hard choice. At least I'll say it because I watched it. Yep. It was an agonizing choice. And as it is for founders to just say, like going all in on this idea means that, that we have the opportunity to A, live another day, but also to achieve our visions. What is your message for founders that may be agonizing over that decision right now? Well, I think it's this. It's that as a founder, you have to live in this sort of paradoxical world where on one hand, you have to be this you know, evangelist 
of this crazy idea and like everyone's going to see you as the one that like you know decided to go for it all and you 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 have to convince people of this incre- incredible vision and then you also have to be incredibly paranoid at all times that your business is going to fail and the thing i would say is especially if you have a unit economics intensive business you have to be maniacal about understanding and have a very clear story for why for what assumptions need to be true for your business to eventually turn over and and become unit economics positive and grow and a lot of a lot of us aren't that way right we get caught up in the like excitement of fundraising and we we forget that at the end of the day these are these have to be cash flow positive businesses yeah we have i think a lot of venture capital backed companies i forgot some of them public by yeah. the way mm-hmm. so it it is a it's an interesting time this market will certainly uh, uh sort of prove out or disprove out some of the models you made the decision and then all of a sudden you you have this technology platform software platform and the next thing i know i'm getting a phone call you've sold the business to one of the largest logistics companies because there was a gap at least in our communications for like felt like six months maybe it wasn't that long what happened so rider rider had kind of been there from the beginning for us as well. Not as beginning, beginning as Craig was, but shortly after we met Craig, we met up with Mike Placencia from Ryder, who, who now runs Ryder Ventures, um, back, back when we were still going through ideas. And then when we eventually found a baton, we had a, we had a cadence of checking in with Mike. When we raised our Series A in the beginning of 2021, Ryder Ventures came on and was part of that round. Um, I think we were their second investment. And through that, we got a lot closer with a lot of the folks on their team, on the executive team. And then in January this year, as we were starting to explore the idea of selling our software, they were one of the first people that we talked to. And we said, hey, here's what we currently have. Here's how we think it can help your, your business overall. Like, The goal was to use our optimization platform to optimize all of Rider's, all of Rider's fleet, both, both dedicated, but also bringing in their transportation management group, their brokerage group, automotive, everything. And through those conversations, it became, okay, if you really want to make this big of an impact within Rider, you need to be much more like, like in the company. You can't do this as a, as a third-party software platform. And so the conversations of, hey, do you want to buy our, our, our software turned into, hey, do you want to buy our company, which led into eventually closing in the end of August. Um, and so and, and it's amazing because I think we... We now have a much bigger opportunity to create a lot more impact in the industry through the reach of Rider than we ever would have had just on our own. I want to get into that. I want to add one other point to that. Um, and this is a shameless plug to our amazing team. Um, it's the, the thing that happened in the six months between our, you know, us talking to you and us selling was actually the, the sort of fallout of a decision that had you know, decisions we had made years in advance. Um, in the decision, there was actually a, a point, and this is where I, you know, where, where our founding team came into this room and pushed Nate and I. There were, you know, this is Ryan Houlihan, or one of our lead engineers, Jason Liu, one of our lead engineers, and then Eric Moline, our head of ops, pushed us in a room and they were like, we have to have a long-term technology bet. Regardless of this tech, this company pivoting and going through all these iterations, there has to be one continuous thread where we're always building towards this technology platform. And it was because of that decision that years later we were in a position where Ryder actually had something that you know we could sell them. I have to ask before we get into what's the future look like, because I <laughs> yeah. want to hear this. It's important. <clears throat> who asked who? If you guys did, you, did they approach you about buying you, or did you say, "Hey, we have this idea. 
if we had the resources of Ryder, we could deliver on a much bigger mm -hmm. vision. I'm just curious for my own purposes of like, mm -hmm. how did that conversation take place? Well, this is a message to entrepreneurs. Never sell, be, you should be bought. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Meaning we originally had some people reach out to us asking, you know, implying interest in an M&A situation. We had told our investors and our network about that. And then others came to the mix. Mm -hmm. uh, so did the word get back to Ryder that yes, there was and somebody so, else? Yeah, it was more the the subtle of art art of hinting at it and then letting them now, take I don't hold go of that and get into it. It's yeah. a public company and I want to be right. careful. You, right. you guys are now working for them. So. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, but I am curious, when they approached you, were, did you, were you a little bit, did you play the Heisman with them or did you get into it and were you intent about this is what it would look like? I would say that it always starts with there has to be like we we started we we both aligned so writer and and baton were aligned in if there's not a clear partnership opportunity there's not going to be a clear M&A opportunity and so it was always how do we actually make sure that let's construct the strategic partnership see how far it goes and if it leads to something else we'll see what happens um but it, it was more fluid than kind of like hey you want to buy us? This wasn't um, a transaction. You call yeah, them up. You know, yeah. I think to your point, yeah. you want to be bought. So guys, what's next for you? You're now a part of Ryder. Uh, tell us what the plan is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Nate and I joined as uh, chief technology and product officers for Ryder. And our mission is to build this fast growing Silicon Valley based innovation arm um, where our, we're going to really take the foundation we built at Baton and use that to power a wave of of fairly transformational products for Ryder. Um, and yeah, so it's really trying to have the benefits and the speed and the fun, pay, fast-paced nature of a startup with the resources and scale of, of Ryder. And our mission has always, has always been the same. We want to eliminate waste and supply chain, and we think Ryder is really the best way to, to do that. So big companies are notoriously bad at working with innovative, small teams. Why is Ryder different? I think Ryder came in even even during the acquisition talks knowing that like bringing up the point of hey we don't want this to be like a, a situation where goliath comes in and just like like completely eats up all of the special stuff that they had in the small company like we don't want it to be small companies eaten up by the big company they had also gone through a handful of um acquisitions before and so they're used to this situation of new company entering like larger older company and I think it came down to just a a perspective that the leadership had that uh, of saying over and over, like, if you ever feel like Ryder is over big company, like big companyifying your business, tell us and we're gonna we're gonna cut things and we're gonna we're gonna keep your office out in San Francisco. You can operate like as the entity of Baton. Use us when you want to, but like make sure we stay out of your operation as much as possible. I also think Ryder is just like, I mean, it's a very impressive team. They're very decentralized when, you know, when you think about the way they work. Um, they launched Ryder Ventures. That's done really well. Um, they've, you know, just done a really good job of participating in this ecosystem and running experiments and then letting those things grow. Um, I think it's just, it's kind of how it's in the core of Ryder. Uh, ask a question. Yeah. Is it, are they telling you what to build or are you guys building what, what, are you still functionally operating as an autonomous unit? Or is this sort of work, you know, we're writer, 
we have we understand what we need to deliver here. Mm-hmm. How is the how does that work? It's a little bit of both. So during the acquisition talks, they were they came and said, "Hey, based on what you've shown us so far, we think these are a couple of areas where we think your your optimization platform and technology should be should be incorporated into our business." How that happens, though, we Ryder said, "Hey, how that happens, we don't know. You are the experts." And so I think we came in with a pre-established vision of the main areas where we are going to try and build out our technology, but then how and exactly what that looks like was more up to the Baton team and how we roll it out. So you're yep. taking their feedback as a customer. Yes. Customer of yeah. one, yep. you will. Yep. And you're applying, these are the solutions that we can bring. Yep. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's actually the only way to truly build products that create value in the marketplace are we believe you have to follow the like startup product process, right? You have to run really lean. You have to go talk to users. You have to iterate and you know, incrementally make progress. And so that's, that's the process they're giving us flexibility to run. Well, guys, unfortunately, we don't have any more time. But this story is one that's going to continue to build over time. And I'm sure we'll have you back to get the update. As founders that have had an exit and a successful one, I congratulate you. I would love to see more of that happen in the space, uh, and hopefully it will. Uh, but I just want to say congratulations, and I'm so excited for you. I, the, the, the excitement that you had when you called me a couple of months ago about the fact that this was happening was just meant how sincerely excited uh, uh, that you guys are. So best of luck to you, uh, and thank, thank you, you for coming to F3 here in Chenu. Yeah, this is where you were here when this started. This, this, is, exactly, started this is where it, it happened. Chatta Vegas. Yeah. Yep. So, this is yeah. Chad Vegas. Did you call it Chad Vegas? Chad Vegas. Chatta Vegas. Locals. Sanuga or Chad Vegas. So, or I like Alley. Fred Alley. Yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. Thank you for Thanks, having me. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Best Thanks of luck. a lot. Mm.